Welcome to First Formation, spiritual exercise for Christian soldiers looking to get the fuck up and pray. Join Pew Pew HQ every weekday morning to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 95, verses 1 through 7. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God, and great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it and the dry land which his hands have formed. O come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand. O that today you would listen to his voice. 1 Kings chapter 22, verses 13 through 23. The messenger who had gone to summon Micaiah said to him, Look, the words of the prophets with one accord are favorable to the king. Let your word be like the word of one of them, and speak favorably. But Micaiah said, As the Lord lives, whatever the Lord says to me, that I will speak. When he had come to the king, the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to Ramoth, Gilead, to battle, or shall we refrain? He answered him, Go up in triumph. The Lord will give it to the hand of the king. But the king said to him, How many times must I make you swear to tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? Then Micaiah said, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains, like sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, These have no master. Let each one go home in peace. The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell you that he would not prophesy anything favorable about me, but only disaster? Then Micaiah said, Therefore hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, with all the host of heaven standing beside him to the right and to the left. And the Lord said, Who will entice Ahab, so that he may go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? Then one said one thing, and another said another, until a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord, saying, I will entice him. How? the Lord asked him. He replied, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. Then the Lord said, You are to entice him, and you shall succeed. Go out and do it. So you see, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these, your prophets. The Lord has decreed disaster for you. Revelation chapter 14, verses 1 through 11. Then I looked, and there was the Lamb standing on Mount Zion. And with him were 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven like the sound of many waters, and like the sound of loud thunder. The voice I heard was like the sound of harpists playing on their harps. And they sing a new song before the throne, and before the four living creatures, and before the elders. No one could learn that song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. It is these who have not defiled themselves with women, for they are virgins. They follow, follow the Lamb wherever he goes. They have been redeemed from humankind as firstfruits for God and for the Lamb. And in their mouth no lie was found. They are blameless. 
Then I saw another angel flying in mid-heaven, with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth, to every nation and tribe and language and people. He said in a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, for the hour of his judgment has come. And worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. Then another angel said, a second, followed, saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has made all the nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Then another angel, a third, followed them, crying with a loud voice, Those who worship the beast and its image <clears throat> and receive a mark on their foreheads or on their hands, they will also drink the wine of God's wrath, poured unmixed into the cup of his anger, and they will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever. There is no rest day or night for those who worship the beast and its image, and for anyone who receives the mark of its name. Good morning, and welcome to the 25th Thursday after Pentecost. This is Brother Logan Isaac broadcasting from North Yarmouth, Maine. This morning's readings come to us from Psalm 95, 1 Kings 22, and Revelation 14. It is also, uh, in the formal sense, the uh, first uh, liturgical weekday anticipating the Christ, uh, I'm sorry, the, the feast of Christ the King. The last Sunday in uh, ordinary time after Pentecost is the feast of the reign of Christ or, or Christ King Sunday uh, coming up on the 22nd. And as I've said before, the liturgical weeks are actually, they begin on Thursday uh, and then Friday, Saturday, those three days prepare for the Sunday and then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday reflect back on the Sunday. So we're in the the final liturgical week of of um, uh, ordinary time after Pentecost, and the color, of course, for that is green on Sunday, which is not a day that we do first formation. It'll be gold. And it's actually kind of a new holiday. It wasn't um, created until like this last century, about a hundred years ago, um, and it's it's always the last Sunday before Advent, um, and you know, there's uh, Christmas is kind of like the Mass for the birth of Christ, uh, March 25th, you know, subtract nine months, that's the Annunciation. Um, so there's actually, you know, a bunch of different feasts for Christ in, in different, you know, kind of roles. And this is, um, as Christ the King, he sits kind of at the head of the church at the, the pinnacle of the liturgical year, the ordinary time in the liturgical year, and kind of caps off... Um, what it twenty nine weeks of ordinary time, um, and the readings. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't really uh, get the sense that it, that the RCL readings are all that focused on it. Um, we have a reading from First uh, Kings and Revelation. Revelation we've been reading for a little while. Um, the the Revelation reading I actually really like fourteen. A little bit later, when it has this image of Mary um, clothed in the sun with her feet upon the moon, uh, you know, wrapped in um, in, a, in a dragon, waiting for this child to be born, um, and that may be uh, a reading next week. Um, but the the reading from 
First Kings is interesting. Uh, it's a little-known prophet uh, who features in it called Micaiah, and he um, he's called to uh, the king's court, and the king asks him, um, "What should I do? You know, should I go to battle or shall we? Shall we not?" And Micaiah tells him, "Go up and triumph." Um, and it's 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 not clear exactly why Micaiah lies to him. God does want him to go to battle, but he's not going to triumph, and God will not give it into the hand of the king. And somehow the king knows that. I have the sense that there's some story before this passage. The king knows that Micaiah is not telling him the truth, and he he tells him. And so uh, Micaiah's like, "Up, oh, you got me. Uh, I saw all of Israel." <clears throat> scattered like sheep without a shepherd. Um, and uh, the people go home in peace, uh, but it, the strong implication is that the king is killed. Um, and so he tells Jehoshaphat, uh, I told you, this guy uh, you know, never says anything good about me. And <laughs> I really try to be fair politically, not non-political or apolitical, but fair. But I did think of when I, when I read that um, earlier this year at some point, um, the New York Times was interviewing all the presidential candidates and and Trump was also uh, interviewed. It must have been for the around the primaries. I don't know. And so, you, you know, it's audio and you hear Trump having this conversation with New York Times reporters and he says, "Why doesn't the why doesn't my home newspaper, my hometown newspaper, you know, he's born in Queens and you know, he's very much a New York uh, person." And he says, "Why doesn't my hometown newspaper ever write anything nice about me?" <laughs> and that's all I can think of as I read verse eighteen. Um, and I think what that reflects, <clears throat> not only in the King of Israel, um, who I don't think is named in this passage, it might be Ahab, but I'm not totally sure. Um, the king of Israel, you know, what, if God doesn't have something nice to say to you, that might be because of you, not because of God. You know, when, uh, the, the New York times in their defense, and they, they said this to him in this interview, you know, we've tried to report fairly and accurately. And, and most of the things that you've done have had a disproportionately bad effect on, you know, constituents or something like that. Um, and the king uh, just, you know, has difficulty with um, not being, I don't know, the term glad-handed is a little bit strong. But um, and it's not like kissing ass. It's just like you can say something nice to somebody without, you know, puffing them up with hot air. Um, but the king, I think, is, I think what the story illustrates is that... Um, the, the problem may not be with God, it may be with the person asking. If there's nothing that people, if there's nothing nice that people say about you, maybe there's nothing nice to say. Um, again, I'm not sure that it's Ahab. Ahab's name is brought up later, but I'm not sure if that's metaphorical or not. Um, it's probable that it's Ahab, and Ahab is basically a total douchebag. He's like one of the worst kings uh, of Israel, and that's 
possibly why uh, Micaiah has this vision from God saying he will go up and he will die and then the sheep without a shepherd they'll go home in peace which is really rare usually sheep and shepherd that's good um, but in this case they go home in peace which suggests that they don't have peace now while they serve Ahab uh, and so not having something nice to say is Ahab's problem not God's problem um, and I know, um, man, I'm just pulling out all the political stops now. I thought of, um, Eddie Gallagher and the recent dust up about, um, you know, war crime. Well, uh, the incident was war crimes, but the conversation it elicited was much deeper. Um, the difference in belief or ideology or motivation or something between, Eddie Gallagher's quote-unquote warrior types and the people that he wasn't happy with that were like Boy Scout types. Um, the complaint that Gallagher had was that they just didn't like him, that they weren't saying anything nice about them. Oh, Clint, Clint Lawrence um, is a more, more recent? Well, he was pardoned with Gallagher, in fact, I think. Anyway, um, you know, they, they each in their own way were like, look, they just didn't like me. They couldn't say anything nice about me. Um, they're complaining. They're whining. Um, but that overlooks, you know, your own personal responsibility. What does that say about you? Is it totally inconceivable that maybe you've done something wrong and that maybe you need to repent of it to change your ways and to seek, you know, um, improved relationships with the people that can't find something nice to say about you? Um and, you know, it makes me think of, I, I didn't spend very long as non-commissioned officer, about a year, is that right? No, year and a half, April of 05 to whenever I got out, November of 06. Um, it reminds me of NCOERs, at least in my experience up through 06, I mean, there were like handbooks of the language that you should use, like there, there weren't really evaluations, they were like political or like, I don't know. They were, they were just, they were, I don't know how to describe them. It was like a whole, it was like an industry to write up and submit NCOERs because of how powerful they could be. Because if you had one bad NCOER or I imagine OER, if you're an officer, um, like that could cost you promotions. Um, and so having something nice to say about someone became <clears throat> a political act. You know, if you wanted them to get promoted, you had to keep saying nice things about them. And if you didn't want them to get promoted, you didn't say nice things about them. They were very, there's like, I remember talking to another NCOER, another NCO before I became a sergeant. And he talked about how like, he knew that if, a, he knew there were there was like a, a handful of comments that if you put in, at least in our unit, I guess, um, that it would it would tell the reader, don't promote this guy. Like, you know, it's not saying something bad. It was like typically bland statements that say nothing nice. And that was code for this guy's not ready. I don't want him in this position. Um, and, uh, you know, he was convinced it, I don't know, it may have been a conspiracy, but I, I had enough of an experience with NCOERs to know, like, those were really powerful. They're not like 4187s, counseling statements that you get every month. And like, 
you know, yeah, they tell you it's going to be in your record forever, but it's like, so what? You know, you do it every month. Like, start improving, and you got a shit ton of good um, 4187s. But with NCOERs, I think they're only like once a year, maybe twice a year. And so each one was all that more important. And so on the one hand, um, I do, uh, you know, we can sympathize with um, the king saying, look, you know, you never have anything nice to say to, about me. Like, you've got your mind made up. Um, but on the other hand, we may also have to look at the fact that it might not be about our reviewers. It may not be about God. It may be about us. It may be about looking inside and having a difficult conversation with ourselves about what it means to be a good leader or a good soldier or, or just a good, a good grunt, a good joke. A prayer for the right use of God's gifts from the Book of Common Prayer. Almighty God, whose loving hand has given us all that we possess, grant us grace that we may honor you with our substance, and, remembering the account which we must one day give, may be faithful stewards of your bounty, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for falling into First Formation, where PewPewHQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, you can participate in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash pewpewhq. You can contribute as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I ever piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a lectionary reading for a future episode. Instructions will be provided, and you don't have to be a grunt to collaborate with Pew Pew HQ in this or any way. Finally, you can also record and send prayer requests of a minute or less. Prayers can be included in the episode, read anonymously if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in First Formation. I hope you'll continue to listen, even if I can't convince you to jump in. This has been Brother Logan Isaac, always faithful, Always family. Semper Familia.